0: Hey guys, I'm Titus, and you're listening to Proselytize or Apostatize. With so many competing worldviews out there, how can we know what's actually true? I'm a random dude from Charlottesville who follows Jesus of Nazareth, and on this podcast, I debate my friends who hold to other worldviews. See, if Christianity is true, then it makes sense to proselytize. But if it's not true, I had better apostatize. Listen to our discussions and decide for yourself. So Jordan, tell us about yourself.
1: Uh, well, I'm 32 years old. I recently graduated with my bachelor's in mechanical and nuclear engineering from Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived in Richmond pretty much my whole life. I was born in Baltimore, but I was only there a month, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. Uh, I have four children, nice. three girls, uh, one boy. The boy's the youngest. Mm-hmm. My oldest is 13, um, so she's full-swing teenager. Cool. Uh, I wish I knew half as much as my teenager does yeah or uh, so she tells me <laughs> um I am engaged to a lovely woman named Kim Davis. She's the mother of my son, mm-hmm. and we should be getting married next fall. Nice. We recently sat down and did the budget, and I had to, like oh, yeah pick myself up of four <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um yep. yeah yeah so and is- uh, I, pertaining to the subject, I'm an atheist. Uh, I consider myself an agnostic atheist. Mm-hmm. I used to be a Christian until I grew up um very conservative and I deconverted in the last 4 or 5 years
0: okay like so similar to Jared and hasn't actually been too long you said you're 33 32 32 okay, so yeah, i guess it's probably been about 6 Jesus years Jesus but... was crucified when he was 33 so yeah i'm falling behind i haven't
1: changed the world yet <laughs> you're like i still got one year though if you were <laughs> if you were
0: Jesus you'd be in the thick of your ministry right now so yeah uh, you said you grew up a conservative Christian. What what denomination, or was it non-denominational? We were mostly
1: non-denominational. Uh, those are the churches we tended to gravitate to. Went to some Baptist churches, but mm-hmm. I considered myself uh, like a four-point Calvinist. Oh, sure. Uh, yep. uh, yeah, so as a creationist and all that, mm-hmm. I was, you know went to church three times a week.
0: Three times. <laughs> What'd you do three times a week? Like the prayer uh, meeting? Yeah,
1: yeah. So we had like Sunday morning and then you'd have Sunday evening to like recap what happened and then Wednesday, a small group or whatever.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you say non-denominational, but Calvinist or Reformed? Because I, I know a lot of non-denominational churches would be more, well, I don't know. It's everything. A lot of them are more charismatic though, mm-hmm. but was that not really? No, like, not at Just all. like kind of fundamentalist? Uh,
1: Yeah. I, I Not like, Westboro Baptist kind yeah. of fundamentalists. You know, yeah. we weren't
0: uh, picketing um, cemeteries or anything, but you know. So, did you have a conversion experience as, as you know, Christians um, put it? Yeah,
1: probably. So, I kind of grew up in that tradition, and my family sort of fell away from it as I was getting into adulthood. Okay. And I went the other way and just got even deeper into it. So, I had probably really? my most dramatic conversion experience when sure. i was 20 or 21 i was baptized again because i realized i'd never been baptized and you know
0: that okay sort of thing. your family was walking away from it so were they walking towards atheism or just
1: i think they well they are now okay. uh, i think my mom just kind of her mom died and she got kind of bitter and angry uh-huh. um kind of just at the world because of that Hey mom, if you're watching, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, that's not the only thing he thinks about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're uh, bitter and angry. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot more than just those two things. Yep. Uh, but no, I th- I think that was probably what pushed her in that direction. And it wasn't like any dramatic falling out. It was just kind of, we started going to church less. There was less talk about God, less reading of the Bible. Just kind of gradually, kind of eroded mm-hmm. away. And I was kind of drifting until um I became an adult, and my first wife was very religious, and that kind of you know she everything.
0: she like pulled you into it more yeah. perhaps okay yeah. so when when you had that experience when you were in your early twenties, what prompted that or or what was the context for that?
1: um I'm trying to remember the full timeline. So I don't I hadn't been to Iraq yet. So this was prior to my deployment. So we uh my ex wife, my then wife was estranged from her family and she kind of rekindled that relationship and they were part of a very um I don't wanna call it they weren't charismatic, but they were very um on fire, you know, very Kay. like dedicated Passionate church. Do you know what
0: denomination? Just non-denominational again, maybe.
1: Yeah, they were non-denominational. Okay. I don't think that they didn't subscribe to anything. I, I, the Cool Springs Baptist, I believe it was okay. on the South Side. They're they actually like two minutes from my work now. Oh wow. Um. Yeah. So that kind of just I got kind of swept up in their
0: mm-hmm. passion, I guess, and that's what sort of really pulled me back in. So when you were passionate how did that flesh itself out? Was it evangelism or just studying a lot or praying a lot or kind of... I've i always been more of
1: kind of an intellectual believer. Mm-hmm. Um, So my expression of faith was study. And so I would like try yeah. to learn as much as I could about the universe that God created. Or that was my opinion at the time. I'm speaking as my <laughs> former Christian self now. Mm-hmm. um, And talking to people about that because science has always been a passion of mine. So there was Bible study obviously as well, but I've never been very good at memorizing things. So mm-hmm. you know, if you asked me to pull up I I couldn't pull out yeah. John 3:16 I guess, but that'd probably be about the only Bible verse I could like whip out. But yeah. um understanding the context of the biblical stories and like how they all put together in the
0: overall. So who um, are your favorite some of your favorite authors at that point? Uh Biblical authors, or like just in general, like, or has it been so long? It's been you so long. Had, I don't you know. You tried to I, erase I it from know, your memory. I don't, know if, I don't even want to remember those names.
1: I honestly, I can't remember. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so you just you like to study and you, you know, tried to share with people what you're finding and mm-hmm. that was yeah. how you felt like you were honoring God. Okay. So, what happened? <laughs> uh, you were doing so well. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, on my way up
1: and then just. <laughs> straight down the highway tell, tell um, us about it so fast forward i don't know probably eight years this would have been twenty, two thousand eight, 2008 probably ish i uh got back from my second tour to iraq and I'll spare all the details but i got divorced and all those sort of things and that i was still very religious um but as things were changing in my life it probably kind of made me more open to change because mm-hmm. i'd lost one very big part of my life. And so while that didn't prompt me to lose my religion, it probably made me more open to that idea.
0: Okay.
1: A uh, coworker of mine gave me a book. Like I said, I was a creationist. So a young earth creationist. But mm-hmm. that's not, we don't need to go too much in the details of that. Point is he gave me a book mm-hmm. that had a lot of uh, convincing arguments that I had never heard of. It was uh, Francis Collins' Language of God, ironically, written by this very devout Christian who okay. was on the genome project mm-hmm. and uh, he was writing kind of to show Christians the crossover between religion and, and, uh, science. Okay. And so that it was just, there was a lot of interesting, um, information there that I'd never heard. Uh, looking back on it, I realized I'd been in an echo chamber for, you know, a long time, even mm-hmm. despite my best efforts. And so, it challenged what a lot of what I thought was true, so mm-hmm. it prompted me to ask questions, and those questions led to more questions. And I, over the next year, I kind of felt fought a like fighting retreat, you know, where, yeah. um, so eventually I kind of settled out around somewhere around deism, okay. and then I was um, driving home from work one day, and it struck me and that some lights
0: came from heaven. Yeah, <laughs> and <the> uh, atheist <laughs> God said, "There's no God." Yeah. Well, I said, "Well, I don't technically say that I'm
1: not a." A strong atheist. Um, I just realized I didn't believe in God and hadn't for a while. So I guess that, that makes me an atheist.
0: So a Christian who is trying to show the possible feasibility of science and Christianity Got you into science and then science got you out of Christianity. Is that what I yeah, mean? <laughs> yeah, basically, evidence
1: is what is what convinced me. I, I was a Christian first and foremost because I thought that was the most plausible explanation for the observations we had. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I built my whole faith around that assessment of the evidence, um, which is why study was so important to me because that's what led me to faith and that's mm-hmm. what kept me in faith. And then study kind of yeah, led me out of it.
0: So when you were a Christian, would have it been more convenient for you to stay a Christian or to reject your Christianity, in your opinion, like as far as things that you would a- be able to enjoy or fall out from relationships? all There's a lot of factors, obviously. Which do you think would have been more convenient?
1: I think had it happened a year prior, had my deconversion happened a year before, it hands down would have been way more convenient to stay in the faith. Okay. Um, My divorce came coupled with me losing pretty much every friend I had. Pretty much everyone decided that since I was divorced, I was excommunicated from you know the church and all the relationships. Oh, so wow. um, most of the people stuck with me I'd been to war with, and that was pretty much the social circle I had. And that social circle didn't... I don't want to curse on your podcast, but didn't care at all <laughs> yeah, yeah. what my personal beliefs were. So at that point it was pretty much even odds.
0: Like it And your family was kind of atheistic at that point, so it's kinda of like
1: it was yeah, there really wasn't a draw. Like they didn't really care whether I believed in anything or not. Like there really wasn't any
0: kind of draw either way. Yeah. So it wasn't like you had a, a social or you wouldn't have had a social fallout as much since that already happened. Yeah. Basically I'd already paid that that uh piper. Would you have would you say that being a christian like like as you were going through that process was it kind of like man i'm losing something that seemed to really make my life better and i really enjoyed being a christian and it's a bummer that there's no god but i just <laughs> got to come to grips with the facts and or was it kind of like hey i'm i'm kind of glad there's no god cuz i can kind of do what i want now
1: um <laughs> well i'm complete i'm terrified of dying so i would probably prefer i go back and forth on the question of whether i'd prefer there to be a god If there is one, I don't have to die, so that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it comes with a lot of baggage that I'm not sure I'm thrilled about. But um, to answer your question, I I don't know that there was anything like, man, I hope that there is no God Like I think I'm leaning towards because of X. It was kind of like I was struggling against this mounting body of evidence simply because I'd committed a large portion of my life to this belief system. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not easy to give up something that like, I was a hundred percent convinced that I was right before. And then to find out, nope, I was completely wrong. That's, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So you would say there was some desire for an afterlife, but some disenchantment with some of the baggage of Christianity. So maybe an an equal.
1: Most of that came after. Okay. Yeah.
0: But you would say that the only reason you converted was evidence. It, you don't think there were any psychological or outside factors?
1: Well, like I said, I, th- I think what was going on in my life made me more open to hearing, to to, to pursuing uh, a new lifestyle. Like, change something that was so fundamental to my person, I'd already lost one thing that I consider fundamental my person, so once you've lost one, it's not as... You know, it's a little bit easier to lose the next thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know, but I would imagine I probably would have been less inclined um, to the change had mm-hmm. I not been recently gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I went through a divorce and I was angry with God and I was looking for... That wasn't it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the reason I'm, I'm asking all these questions is because I've kind of come to... a Somewhat of a conclusion that people generally don't base what they believe off of evidence, <laughs> politically or with religion. And there's actually a book I, I, I want to read. It. I haven't read it, but I've heard about it that kind of makes this point called The Righteous Mind, um, pointing out that, you know, it's there's a lot of other factors that weigh in. I think probably the main factor is how you were raised, you know? Muslims are Muslims because their parents are Muslims. You know, it goes for almost any worldview. And you do see people crossing those lines occasionally, but I think that's probably the the biggest reason. And I feel like a lot of people believe what they believe because they want to.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Most people, I think a, a large portion of the population doesn't really critically examine any of their beliefs. Just kind of, I believe this because my grandfather and his father before
0: him believed it, you know so so an atheist who converts to christianity how would you explain that uh well i mean people change their minds
1: Mm -hmm. um i I guess it would depend on the particular atheist and why he can he do you think
0: an atheist has ever converted to christianity because of the evidence
1: i yeah i've met several okay
0: they they say it's because of the evidence obviously i think they're incorrect but and when they kind of when they kind of laid out the process of of examining the evidence you could do you kind of see flaws in that journey for them or why would you say it's not because of the evidence well
1: there's a difference between the the evidence and how they interpreted it like mm-hmm. so they i see flaws in the arguments that persuaded them so i mean i don't know sure. most of these people intimately so maybe there was more going on yeah but they tell me that it's because of the evidence and they have good they have what seem to be thought out arguments So I'm not inclined to call them liars you know yeah. uh yeah. so i don't i don't want to say that it's it's not because of the evidence i think they believe it's because of the evidence and i think they were persuaded i just think they were persuaded incorrectly
0: yeah I did want to share a little bit about what I believe so that you're not arguing against a Christianity that I don't believe right. in, Yeah. especially if you were raised Calvinist and fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends who are Calvinist and nothing against them, but that's not me. <laughs> I, I like to start with the first page of the Bible rather than with sin. Mm-hmm. So the first page of the Bible, God, God created a world of beauty and Creativity and perfection, and he created humans to be his image bearers. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't simply to have a relationship with him, it was to take care of his world, right? So it was like a a vocational covenant that he made with him. You guys are supposed to take care of my world. Subcontracting? Yeah, Yeah. sure. (laughs) And, And to bear his image, like, you know, if you want to know what God looks like, look at people, right? And of course, I believe that love cannot exist without free will. For instance, if my wife came up to me at the altar at her wedding and said, I'm going to marry you because, but I have no choice. I wouldn't really feel that great (laughs) about that situation. So, and I, and I think I'm created in God's image. So that's the way I, I see God feeling about us that in order for us to truly love him, we need to have free will. Of course, you know, the story Adam and Eve freely chose to reject. God's God's law you know as anyone who grew up in Christianity obviously knows there's a story of Adam and Eve freely choosing not to follow God's will and because of that there was you know the results were brokenness in the world the curse in the world and Jesus was God come in the flesh to uh, take the death that is the natural consequence of sin and to take that punishment for us so through Through faith in what he did on the cross and repentance, uh, our sins can be forgiven, and then we can be part of a renewed creation, not like some disembodied existence in heaven, but we can be part of a new heavens and a new earth and a new creation where all things are made new. You're saying I don't get to go to heaven? So so I I don't think you get to go somewhere where there's babies and diapers floating around. (laughs) You know, oh, you're saying you personally, if you no, don't, no, 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 no. Oh,
1: I know. I'm going to hell. There's
0: no doubt. So, yeah. so, no, I don't believe in some, some place where we're disembodied and babies are floating around in diapers and people are playing harps and no, that, that's not the, bi- the biblical vision is like a, is it's kind of like going back to the garden of Eden where it's a, it's a, a world just like this, but Except it's Except no talking stakes this time. No, because all evil will be removed from the picture. Because if if God is a loving God and He wants to care for His people, He needs to remove evil from the picture, or He's, or that's not you know, otherwise the evil is going to corrupt His new world, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what the judgment is about. So that's that's what my paradigm is. That's where I'm coming from, and it's probably very similar to what you're raised with, anyway. Yes, similar. Let me let me ask: What is your main objection to faith? to Christianity?
1: Well, my objection to faith in general is that I think I hold to the maxim that I want to believe as many true things as possible and as few false things as possible, like Matt Mm -hmm. Dillahunty says. So um, I simply don't think that there's enough evidence to persuade me that Christianity is true or any other supernatural claim. So my biggest objection is simply that
0: that it's just not the faith thing I guess would be the the issue, okay, yeah, and when I said putting my like putting our faith in Jesus for salvation that that's the kind of faith that I believe the Bible encourages, so a faith in Jesus for salvation, not a faith that overcomes a lack of evidence, mm-hmm. and Jared and I actually talked about this for a long time yeah um i don't I don't believe that i'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you need to just have faith i'm not ne- I'm never gonna say that to you. <laughs> Because, I mean, I've talked to Mormons before who've been like, man, you just need to pray and the Holy Spirit will show you that the Book of Mormon is true. And I would show them reasons why, like contradictions in their worldview, all kinds of things, and they're like, no, you just need to quit looking up stuff on the internet. It, just yeah. need to feel it, man. Yeah. feel it, bro. And I proposed at that point <laughs> I was like I am never going to use that kind of argument on someone who doesn't share my my beliefs. Well,
1: ultimately if the claims are true then the evidence will show it. Exactly. Right. So,
0: so that's what we're going to do in the next, you know, couple episodes. We're just going to we're going to go topic by topic and and let whoever's watching decide for themselves where the evidence is pointing, right? Yeah. So you said a lack of evidence. So it's not really something that that's kind of like a a lack of something, not necessarily a problem, like the problem of suffering or can you be more specific about that?
1: Well, I think the problem of suffering doesn't say anything about whether there is a God, just whether or not, if there is one, whether he's good, Yeah, you know, you could have an evil god, and then the problem of suffering is no problem at all. So, um, and while I personally don't, particularly care for a deity that would allow suffering in -hmm. the magnitude we see that deity is under no obligation to be the kind i like so i mean that's so that's not really an issue for you i mean it it certainly doesn't help but (laughs) you know it it it's an issue in me believing in a good god Mm -hmm. but it's not an issue in me believing in a
0: god at all Mm -hmm. you know okay So when you say lack of evidence, just kind of build on that a little bit.
1: So I am a like 99.9% of other atheists. I'm a a de facto atheist, which is what Richard Dawkins calls it. Mm -hmm. I consider myself an agnostic in the sense that I don't. I don't think we can know that God exists. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that there's no God. I don't claim that there's no God. In fact, if another atheist made that claim, I would challenge them on it, because I don't think they have the evidence to back that claim up. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's no Santa Claus. Exactly. (laughs) Right. I don't know that Tooth Fairy isn't real. Though my uh, daughter, um, (laughs) I, I was very proud, and she was about, I don't know, probably seven or so uh Uh, i try to inject some magic into my kids lives i was you know telling them tooth fairy was real and they didn't believe me and they would say uh you know daddy tooth fairy is not real and i'd say well what's your evidence (laughs) i was assuming they weren't going to catch us committing the argument for ignorance fallacy Uh but uh so that like well daddy that's everybody knows like that's not evidence that's an opinion you know what's Uh your evidence everybody okay well when you have evidence come, (laughs) come show me and that was. You're went trying on. to prepare them for people trying to tell them there's a God, you know, through reverse <laughs> uh, psychology yeah. or something. Uh, so, being so, the devil's advocate. So, for a while, <laughs> that was the state of things. And then Lexi, my middle daughter, uh, came to me very happy. She said, Dad, tooth fairy is not real. I was like, well, What's your evidence? She said, Well, I lost my tooth last week. And I put it under my pillow here and at mommy's house, and I didn't tell anybody. And if the tooth fairy was real, she would have known, and she would have gotten the the tooth.
0: There That's you it. go. Well, well, you got done. me. Good job. So, do you do the same thing with God? You try to tell them God exists, and they're like, "No, everybody <laughs> knows he doesn't." Actually, um, my up until recently, all three
1: of my daughters considered themselves Christian. My okay. youngest still does, but she's that from young, like really. your ex
0: wife's influence, maybe, or is yeah, it...
1: I, probably. I think because so you don't she, really care. That... I. I hold to the philosophy that I need to teach my children how to think, not what to think. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm very open with them. If they want to go to church, I'll take them. They've never asked to, but I'd be happy (laughs) to do it. Um, If they want to go to a mosque or synagogue, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. you can believe anything you want. The only thing. Unless it's, you know, like KKK or something. (laughs) Well, I I think that probably falls under my one rule, which is you have to have reasons. Yeah. They don't have to be reasons I agree with but you no blind faith you know you have okay. to have a a reason for what you believe um so that's that's my only thing and i you know we have lively discussions around the dinner table about morality and philosophy and religion and everything else mm-hmm. um where i
0: i t- try to play both sides to keep them thinking you know yeah nice but so when you use the analogy of the tooth fairy would you apply the same logic to god because god doesn't answer prayer he doesn't exist, or, or where were you kind of going with that? Like, I still want to know, like, what you say, lack oh, okay. of evidence. so, so lack of evidence, right. So seen, I
1: don't, um, if you're going to say that God is real, then that's a claim, and which all claims require evidence, Yeah, you know? And so I would need to see evidence that um, we need a supernatural to explain some phenomena. Okay. So we all know that the natural world exists, unless we're presuppositionalists, which is in the case yes yeah. by i guess but <laughs> yeah i don't i don't <laughs> dig that yeah uh anyway uh so we all agree that the, we're all sitting in a in a kitchen right now and having conversation so we all the natural world exists we've mm-hmm. established that so if something happens by default then it would be in the natural world now there's, it's completely i'm open to the idea that there is a supernatural dimension as well mm-hmm. you know maybe there's a god or spirits or whatever um, that have impact on our natural material world. Um, I'm open to that, but if that's the case, then we should see evidence of it, right? There should be things, there need to be things that um, aren't reasonably explicable without it. Okay, so when you were a
0: Christian, you never saw that? I Well, I thought I did. But uh, then later you're like, oh, that could have been explained by nature. Right. Yeah. So do you believe in a universe that had a beginning? That is an excellent question. <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I don't know whether... So it depends on what you mean by universe. If you mean like our visible universe, yeah, it began in the, the Big Bang. You mm-hmm. know. Um, what happened before that is still an open question. Um, it's possible that we're part of a larger multiverse that continued to exist prior. Um, it's possible that everything came from nothing. There's a lot of different possibilities. It's possible God-magic did into existence. So it's possible that something came from nothing. Sure. I mean, well, it depends on what you mean by nothing. Again, I mean, things come from nothing all the time. Virtual particles come from nothing. You're mostly made up of virtual particles, so...
0: So so you would... But you would generally say, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But you see... You would see the option of God bringing things into existence as less likely than, you know, things came from nothing or there being a multiverse.
1: Well, if there's... Um, because obviously
0: there's there's we see stuff so i'm just trying to figure out you know where did it come from and what's the most likely you would why would you see god as less likely than those other options
1: well we know that laws of physics exist we know that things like quantum fluctuations can bring things into existence we know that you can have stuff that violates the conservation of energy on short time time timelines obviously can't extend to long timelines and we also know that you can have negative energy which means that Potentially, if the universe is shaped the right way, you could have a universe that's, as far as energy is concerned, zero. So, which means the universe came and there's no net energy gain or loss. So, it's fine. Um, so, I'm
0: very glad this is recorded so I can go back and listen to that, uh, that last uh, sentence you just yeah. said. I, I that's a research yeah. project right there for Disclaimer, me. Disclaimer <laughs> I am not, I'm an engineer. I'm not a
1: physicist. Okay. So, my more of a physicist than I am. My understanding of cosmology is. is top layer you know mm-hmm. um so i don't pretend to understand uh richard Feynman, one of the grandfathers of quantum mechanics uh famously said if you think you understand quantum mechanics you don't understand quantum mechanics mm-hmm. so i do definitely
0: do not mm-hmm. uh but i'm
1: told by cosmologists that these are possibilities okay um
0: and so that's more likely than there being a supernatural being why I,
1: I think i don't because these are things these are the sort of things we know already exist and so, rather than bringing in another entity, this, you know, supernatural, all powerful, et cetera, et cetera, being that otherwise is unnecessary, or you know, doesn't isn't expli- isn't necessary to explain things in the here and now, mm-hmm. um, in order to bring him in to create the universe, that is another assumption you're adding on, which may end up proving necessary, mm-hmm. but you should explore options that don't require extra assumptions first. So, if we can find a theory of quantum gravity that eliminates a singularity at the big bang and then we can extend our knowledge past then or you know whatever
0: gets getting into really crazy physics i don't understand okay. but so that's it that let's let's kind of remember this discussion and come back to yeah. it maybe bottom line the is episode. i
1: do not know i don't yeah. know what
0: created the universe <laughs> so so you believe and this is my one of my favorite little lines and i'm just going to throw it out okay. there You believe in a universe that has a beginning, but you don't have an explanation for the beginning. I believe in a universe that has a beginning, and I have an explanation for the beginning. Do you agree with that statement? And and you can't throw it back at me and say where did God come from? Because my God, by definition, has no beginning and no end, whereas the universe. Oh, well then does my physics beginning.
1: has no beginning or no end. There we go. But yeah. you
0: just said the universe had a beginning. Well, I said that one region of the universe probably had a beginning. Okay. We don't
1: know that this region of the universe is the only region. We don't know
0: that the laws of physics so have... so if there's some, like a multiverse or tons of regions of the universe, all this, that didn't necessarily have a beginning. Not necessarily, no. And so it could have been eternal. Sure. To,
1: to, time causality as we experience is a necessarily temporal thing right we don't know once you get past the big bang what time looks like there are models that have time flowing both directions so right we're on the arrow going this way the line of entropy but there's no physics works the same way both ways time could flow both ways in which case there would be no Beginning because we should be make a sci-fi pathways. movie. <laughs> I shouldn't. Uh, Richard Carroll, <laughs> the physicist, should. I shouldn't. Uh, but anyway, so the, the bottom do. line is, um, I don't know that the universe had a beginning. I know that our region of the universe appeared to be dis- a distinct entity at the Big Bang, but I don't know that the universe as a whole had a beginning. I don't know that the laws of physics began there. And so, if it's necessary for there to be an eternal something, I see no reason why
0: some laws of physics couldn't be that eternal something. Okay, let's come back to that one. Um, I want to touch on a few other things. We do need to wrap up here soon just to kind of get a feel of where we want to go in right. the future. Tell me about Jesus. What When you hear that word, <laughs> that the dude, the, the, the dude that you actually think walked on planet Earth 2,000 years ago, do you like him or not like him?
1: Well, I don't think he was real. I'm <laughs> oh, kidding. My. I think it was real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: uh, uh No, I've I've read the whole mythicist thing, and it's ultimately not persuasive. So, so not not the gospels necessarily. Just the dude that walked on planet Earth. Do you like him or not like him? I think I'd say I probably like him for the most part.
1: I think for the time, from what we can piece together, if his message it was reasonably progressive. Um, I'm not gonna blame him for. To so progressive is just good. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, when, when you're progressing from wanton slavery and sure. the oppression of the female race, then yes, I'd say yeah, yeah. the progression would be good at that point. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I'd say, yeah, for the most part, I would agree with most of what he said. And a lot of what I disagree, just, he's,
0: he was a Jewish rabbi, and so that comes with things that I'm not going to agree with. Now, I, I want to talk about what you disagree with, because that's fascinating to me, um, but we'll save that for another one. I'm assuming you don't think he did any miracles. No. Not obviously not if you're you know, Right. If no, no I don't I don't think so that was like a later add-on or something of that sort. Uh
1: yeah. So it could be a combination of factors. Uh stories grow over time. So it's not at all uncommon for historical figures to have supernatural events attached to them. Um he was, though, even by his contemporaries, known as an exorcist and a miracle worker. And he wasn't the only one, but he was known to be a very good one. So I certainly think that people contemporary to him thought he was doing miracles of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that they were necessarily the on the scale that we see in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And I have no reason to believe that they were, in fact, actual miracles. And, obviously, and okay, Do you believe in conspiracy theories? Uh, I would consider them extraordinary claims. Okay. So <laughs> Do you believe that the resurrection was a conspiracy? Oh, so no, I don't think a conspiracy is necessary to explain it. It's I mean it could have been, but I don't think it my personal, if I had to make a guess, I wouldn't say it was a conspiracy. Okay, what would be your guess? My guess would be um that after Jesus' death at some point some of his followers had an experience some sort of hallucination
0: or vision, dream, whatever. Mass hallucination. Not, well, I didn't say mass necessarily. Um, so the stories about people seeing him at the same time were made up also?
1: Maybe. Um, that's, a again, a possibility. It's okay. their mass shared experiences are rare, not un, not impossible, not
0: unheard of, but rare.
1: Um, so they're that, also,
0: un, they, you, you do realize that they weren't expecting that also yeah of course so Uh, that makes it a little more unlikely
1: well they weren't so they weren't expecting the messiah to die
0: and rise again but they were expecting they were it would have been likely for a messiah to die there were many messiahs who died yes so so it was so they were definitely not expecting him to rise from the dead but after he died it's like over for messianic movements so so i think you could say they could they maybe they didn't but in general the population expects messiahs to die in that context but they don't expect well, the, they, but after he dies it's, it's the whole movement is scattered and there's no expectation of resurrection correct
1: right up uh, so, for messiahs outside of jesus up sure. to that point uh well i mean they would they wouldn't have expected the actual messiah to die but yeah you know, there's a bunch of messianic
0: claims but if, if the messiah died then it's it's over and you go find a new messiah right general, you don't yes. you don't you don't have mass hallucinations. Well, again, I don't know that they were killed. necessarily mass, at least not from the beginning. So maybe one guy had hallucinations like, dude, I, I saw Jesus. And then the other person was walking around. Oh, maybe he'll rise from the dead and got had hallucination.
1: So the idea that um, people were going to start rising from the dead wasn't not messiahs necessarily, but people wasn't at all out. It was what they expected because they believed it seems at least that they were apocalyptic um, in their expectations John the Baptist was an apocalypticist, and the early Christians were apocalypticists, so probably Jesus was. There's other reasons, too. So if they were preaching this apocalyptic message where the kingdom of God was going to come, part of the kingdom of God coming for these people and people like the Pharisees and the um, Essenes is that there was going to be a resurrection, right? People, The, the saints were going to bodily get up. Everybody and, at the same time. Well, yes, so everyone was going to rise up, Um, and you can see some kind of imagery of that in the early letters of Paul and yeah. some of the Gospels, in that uh, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, as in like the first one implying many more to come. But
0: that's not what they were expecting. They were expecting everyone to rise from the dead, not one person. And It would have been an anomaly for just Jesus to rise from the dead.
1: Well, everyone can rise from the dead without everybody getting up on the same Literal moment. Uh,
0: I, I think they, I think they were expecting them all. But to again, I- just because that's what they were expecting doesn't mean that's the
1: only way the religion could have grown. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm just saying what they're ex- if it's just less likely that they would have hallucinated if they were if it was something totally that they well, were not expecting.
1: Also, hallucinations as we view them as modern um, people, they're, they're not viewed the same way in the ancient world they were considered a a viable and reliable way to get information from the supernatural and other things like that. If you look at, um, for example, Paul, who never met Jesus, even by his own admission, he only ever encountered Jesus in an experience on the Damascus road, which perhaps Jesus actually appeared to him, but nobody else could see him. It sounds like a hallucination to me. He didn't see, he didn't physically meet the physical person of Jesus. He Mm -hmm. met the post-death person of Jesus. But Paul was considered an apostle who had met Jesus, and his viewings of Jesus were considered exactly on par with everyone else's. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, the idea that someone would have had a hallucination of Jesus and who told him I rose from the dead or whatever, whatever reason, it made them convinced. The idea that oh he just had a hallucination. Well, Paul also just had a hallucination. I mean, but Paul everyone didn't else eat
0: fish with Jesus and feel his hands and all that. Well, I don't think that the apostles did either,
1: but. Um, the, the idea that a hallucination would immediately be discredited is a modern conception. That's not how ancient people viewed it.
0: Okay. Now, if, if Jesus would have been really beaten up and almost died and then recovered, and that would have been recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, would you think that it's a reliable source of information? If or he... is it simply is it simply the fact that these are supernatural instances and you know the supernatural doesn't exist and so that's why we need to come up with some well, I still think it's a conspiracy. <laughs> I I I think it's okay, sure. The George W Bush could have had the World Trade Center's come down. I just think it's yes. unlikely. I I agree. <laughs> I think and, it's and very that, unlikely. And I I also think it yeah, sure, maybe they had hallucinations. I just think it's unlikely and I think the only reason why you would believe that would happen is if you previously ruled out the supernatural. Like, like if if there was no supernatural in the Gospels, and it was just another historical account of a guy named Jesus, I don't think there would be like this much criticism, right? Well,
1: they'd be making a much less claim, though. I personally would be skeptical that someone could be
0: beaten and then crucified
1: by the Romans and then walk off. Well, it wouldn't be un- unheard of. There were other people who crucified and lived through it, but it would certainly be less
0: likely. So when you say a less it would be a, a less extreme claim, how are how are you gauging what an extreme claim is and what isn't why is God an extreme claim? So, because you personally haven't experienced him, or because we don't have evidence for him other than
1: the claim we're examining.
0: So, what about okay, we'll get to this later, but what about all the testimonies of people who've experienced God from all these different religions? And
1: well, first of all, they're from all these different religions, they're all contradictory. That, that's not
0: we're not we're not I'm not arguing, I, I will eventually, <laughs> but I'm not arguing for Christianity's truth right now i'm just arguing for the existence of god so that doesn't
1: well it it still plays in because if you can have these experiences but they all lead to different and contradictory conclusions does that really mean it's a valuable and viable way to get to truth
0: i mean i I believe there's other spiritual powers in the world so they could be experiencing other spiritual powers maybe that's Uh, a biblical notion
1: like i i don't rule out the supernatural like i said i i'm not philosophically committed to there not being a supernatural. Mm-hmm. But I've yet to hear a rigorously investigated miracle claim that needed to be a miracle in order to be explained. Did you
0: hear the one where we talked about with Jared? Yes. yes okay. I <laughs> What's your initial reaction to that? Because, Jer- dude, I thought Jared, I-, I thought he was like killing it and like had really good reasons for everything he said until he said that, the dentist could have maybe worked on it and then in the middle of the night the effects take place. That was like, dude, no. So <laughs> this is where I was like, okay. We live <laughs> in, we live in a planet of
1: seven and a half billion
0: people, right? Ish.
1: And that means that if something has a one in a billion chance of happening per day, it happens every day. Seven times. If something has a one in a hundred billion chance of happening, it happens every single year. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> unusual things are going to happen simply because we have so many possibilities, so many times when stuff could happen. And so the the simple fact that something was unusual in and of itself is not evidence of a miracle because unusual things happen.
0: Um, okay, for those of you who didn't hear the other episode, what we're referring to is my wife you had Tell a, the story again. <laughs> my wife had a tooth that was twisted the wrong way 180 degrees I think and they prayed the night before and during the night it twisted 180 degrees around and it was fine in the morning. Okay, and of course she could be making it up. I don't think she well, is.
1: I, yeah, I believe her. I, now, believe her now, I believe her story. Now, even I don't think you're a liar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you say one in a billion you know, chances will happen. You know, seven times a day, right? Yeah. That that's still so. So, what if God chose to heal people seven times a day, seven people a day? That right. So
1: that um gets into an interesting question about what the nature of God is. Um, I talked I've had this uh, same question come up in a discussion with my friend Mark, who I um don't know if he's watching, but I'll definitely share it because he'd love this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he's a Christian that I talk about this stuff all the time, and basically there's four categories god could fall into um one category would be a god that doesn't act in the world at all right Mm -hmm. he he exists but he doesn't do anything which is indistinguishable from a god no god at all okay so you can just throw him out and then there's a god that acts but he acts in such a way that it looks like random chance he acts in such a way that it's it's impossible to detect Mm -hmm. in which case it's indistinguishable from no god at all so you can throw that one out A god who acts but tries to intentionally hide it or a god who acts in detectable ways. Only the fourth one matters because any other one is completely indistinguishable from random chance. Mm -hmm. So if there is a god who acts in detectable ways, those ways should be detectable. And if they are not detectable, then
0: we can safely ignore them. So Brenna detected it. Well,
1: so she (laughs) believes she did. And um, so you prayed and something happened. But how many times have people prayed and then nothing
0: happened? Well, I'm not claiming that every time we pray something's gonna happen. Otherwise we would like could walk around and like do whatever sure. we want and that's that God, that's not in God's interest. <laughs> so in order to demonstrate
1: that this was in fact the supernatural, you'd need to show that there's no plausible natural mechanism for it to occur. So you need to make sure that there wasn't a misdiagnosis. And I'm not saying that there was. I'm just saying these are the sort of things when you come up to a miracle claim you need to to confirm. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a misdiagnosis that this sort of thing can't happen. You know, teeth move in your mouth. I am not a dentist, so I have no idea what degrees. the range of possibility is, but these are the sort of things you have to rule out. It just because something doesn't seem like
0: it should be possible to a layman doesn't mean it's impossible. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's impossible either, and I don't think it's impossible that they all hallucinated. I just think it's less likely. So when you when you bring this cumulative case, I think it's less likely that all this would have happened.
1: Less. So apart in order to ex- so in, in order to
0: explain this tooth
1: in your wife's mouth turning around 180 degrees, was it a very unlikely but possible? situation that occurred through natural chance by virtue of you know there being seven billion humans and weird things happen yeah it could have been but it's just not or is it an invisible omnipotent omniscient being who cares about who you have sex with
0: and created the world too like like (laughs) which one of these things is the bigger claim i i think that the first one is because i mean unless you can prove out so you you had a whole list of descriptions for god unless you can find some reason why that god wouldn't exist it's well, not that, that crazy of a claim. That's
1: an argument from ignorance, though. The, the the fallacy, not 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 pejorative, but
0: like saying, "Well, because you have not proved it's false; it's true." That's not no. The case. I'm I'm saying that you're you're saying this is it's very unlikely that this God exists who cares about who we have sex with and this whole <laughs> list. I I mean, and and you're using you have all this list of attributes of God, which if there is a God, He needs to have attributes. So just mm. because He has attributes, doesn't mean that's a, a crazy claim. So you need to point out why those attributes cannot okay coincide with god we have no up
1: until okay so up until the evidence you're giving me which is here's why god exists prior to that so the prior probability uh we have nothing at all remotely like what god is said to be no no invisible spiritual beings like prior to the argument of god in our everyday experience we have none of that and so you're coming in with something that is completely and utterly unlike every other observation we have. So you're invoking this otherwise, this extremely complicated and complex being would have to be if he's going to be God in any real sense. Um, to, to in, if you're going to invoke something so huge, you need a commensurately huge amount of evidence to make it reasonable.
0: I just don't know why that God is is so, so huge <laughs> so huge. Huge. Uh, let, let's we need to rain this we need to wrap this up somehow. Okay. This could go on forever and I, this has been cool cuz we've got a little bit of a feel of where each other's coming from and I have an idea for the next next episode and maybe we can listen to this again and, and figure out, you know, a topic for each upcoming one. Next time I'd like to talk just talk about Jesus. Okay. Okay historical evidence for the gospels maybe some teachings of jesus that you don't appreciate mm-hmm. um let's just let's just focus in on jesus and the gospels and okay. especially figuring out if the jesus presented in the gospels was the actual jesus sure and then maybe in the next one we can talk about things coming into existence from nothing and get into <laughs> i i need to research that <laughs> <laughs> i would you um, lost me but I do want to talk about that, and, and then we can talk about miracles and just hit different themes each time and try to stick to one topic because we've been all over the yeah, place, yeah. which is fine. Um, but next time, let's really study, like, are the Gospels historically reliable?
1: Specifically the Gospels?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Specific- I mean, l- let's just stick with you know, that and not go through the whole New Testament for cool. now. Um, and I want to figure out what you think about Jesus' teachings and that sort of thing. So yeah. let's do it. Sure. thanks for listening to our conversation i hope it was helpful for you on your journey toward truth one thing you can do to really help me out here is leave a rating and review it helps other people discover the show all right you guys see you next time Cool. Good stuff.
1: <laughs> I feel like this this microphone is like it does kinda of throw
0: you off. You just gotta ignore it. Yeah.